0: so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it.
1: All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Grit Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of Sisu and your host of the show. And today I'm here with Colton Lindsay. Colton is the CEO of WGR. Colton has a real estate team here in Utah. And I recall the days of Colton sitting around with his team Hitting the phones hard. I think he had just gone through a Bob Leffler fearless agent training, and uh, uh, you remember
2: those days, Colton? Yeah. No, I mean that was hitting those phones is how I got to where I'm at today.
1: Yeah. So that was back. uh, It must have been six years ago because that was prior to me founding Sisu, and I was just uh, getting into the real estate business to help Spring build her business. So anyway, Colton. Has done an amazing job of figuring out. I think this is me putting words in his mouth. So I'm going to let you correct me here in a minute. Colton. But uh, my view of Colton is that Colton has found a way to selling real estate was probably not his favorite thing to do. But teaching and training and helping other people improve their lives is something he is passionate about, and he's figured out a way to build an even more solid income of recurring revenue through a couple of different streams. And I, I want to dive into that today. Is that, is that true, Colton? With that?
2: Yeah, no, that's super accurate. I think, right. well, right now I have four revenue streams, uh, three businesses. One is obviously a business, but it's real estate investments. So it's a very much more leveraged business for me as well. So okay, I think so- that's the key. Leveraged residual revenue is what I've obsessed over the last probably four or five years.
1: Yeah. So I, I think there are a lot of team owners that are just crushing it in real estate, but they're not thinking about that. So let's dive in first. Let's talk about those four different leveraged income streams you have coming in.
2: Yeah. So the first is my real estate. I call it my real estate division. It's really my real estate team. I was just looking as we are talking. That alone will probably generate about a quarter million dollars this year for me. Okay. And, and spent, how, much,
1: how much time do you spend on your real estate team? I just want people to get a feel for where you um, focus your efforts.
2: About 20 minutes a week. And that's okay. really just working with Gerald that leads that division and having those conversations with him. It was really okay. just so, so one, on one thing I want to
1: point out, Colton talked about leveraging and he's hired, is it Gerald?
2: Gerald. Yeah. Without the D, Gerald, Gerald.
1: Yeah. Gerald, to run that, to re- really run his real estate team. So uh, I, I see so many team owners that are afraid to even get out of production, yet alone get out of their team, right? So yeah. So anyway, I think, I think that's impressive, Colton, that you were able to really make that decision on, this is not your passion and focus on what is your passion.
2: Well, yeah, and I just did, um, it was a passion of mine earlier, right? Yeah. Like I, I was excited about it. And this is what I'm excited about now. So we have these layers of life and these phases and seasons of life. I just, that season ended and I started a new season. So, but, but I'll tell you what, like when I look at running any of my companies and there has to be key leaders in them, it's all about, am I not necessarily just coaching them, but mentoring them in state management? Like 80% of this is psychological and emotional state management.
1: Right, which you are definitely an expert of. And so we're going to dive into that here in a minute as well. Tell us about your other three streams of revenue.
2: So we'll touch real briefly on one of them. It's just my, as I say, just, it's my real estate investing business. I'm just obsessed with buying and owning. And not only just, it's expanded now. It's my investing business is my investment portfolio. I believe my part-time business is managing and investing my money. And so the major of that started in real estate I right now in multiple spaces, probably about seven different asset classes that I've invested in. But it's about one of three things when I look at this. A, can I be asymmetrical in it? Meaning, can I risk a little to make a shit ton? That's one. The other way I look at investing is, is it reoccurring? Is it cash flow generating that pays me over and over again? And then the third is, is it tax-free? Can I use this investment to dramatically reduce how much I'm paying in my taxes. So that would be my second business is my, just my investment portfolio. The third, and I think that's a very key distinction is I treat it as a business. Whereas other people treat it mainly as an extension. It's Mm -hmm. not an extension. It it is a business. And that's what moves you from the B quadrant to the I quadrant. The, The other business is my academy, which is, just, I love it. It's what I get most of my attention in right now. I'm still 30 hours a week in that because I'm in that build mode. One, two, is I'm just excited about it. Like I just, it's something that fills me up right now.
1: Okay. When you say your Academy, a lot of our listeners aren't going to know what your Academy is. I believe you're talking about WGR. Is that
2: right? Yep, The WGR Academy. Yeah. And so in a nutshell, what we do is we help business operators become business owners, meaning we take them from like there's a lot of people I know out there that they sell a lot in real estate, but they can't they can't go take off. How long were you guys just in Europe for? Like spring just took off 3 weeks. I don't know, I'm making up numbers now at this point, but it feels about like two, just about 2 weeks, yeah. 2 2 weeks in most people can't do that and only look at metrics, right? So what a business operator is, let's say some shit happens and you are forced to take 90 days off, Most people can't take 90 days off and have the business keep going and generating what it is, let alone make more. A business owner can. Now, most people aren't going to just go take 90 days off because they're, depending on what seasonal life they're at, they're excited, they're creative, they're in that space. But what about if you were forced to? What if there's a medical situation? What if there is a thing that literally forces you? And that's what I help people do is to create that ownership where they can step out of the business. Well, we also have a lot of education in that too, which is people aren't ready to become business owners, till so they've actually become business operators. The business operator is, hey, you're generating at least $15,000 a month, fifteen dollars to $20,000 a month. And then from there, it's like, okay, I know a lot of people generating $50,000 a month as an operator, but if they stop, the money stops. So We want to help people first generate the cash, number one. Number two is have the cash keep generating to where it doesn't fully rely on them. So That's in yeah. a nutshell what the Academy does.
1: That's great. Um, so the Academy, I, I remember being in an event of yours that uh, I can't remember, probably a couple hundred people in the room. So how big is that now? I know you've grown that massively. So you put on an event recently up in Park City, up at Deer Valley.
2: Yeah. And, so, uh, the, so it depends on what level they're in. I mean, I've had thousands of students at this point, my higher level mastermind, that's our WGR Freedom Mastermind. That's, that's a a year investment. And we've got about 60 active members in that currently, roughly.
0: Okay.
2: Um, And then we've got our other packages that are a little bit less than that, but we've probably got another hundred and something in those as well. So we've got 150, call 150 active clients in that right now.
1: Okay. So if you were to describe your perfect avatar for that business, who is Mm -hmm. that?
2: So I, the funnest and the most ideal is they're between 30 to 45 years of age, late gen X or early millennial. They're hitting somewhere between 307,000 or $300,700,000 a year in gross revenue. And they've got like a small mid-sized team, but they don't really have a team because even though they've got people on the team, all the money relies on them. You yeah. follow me here? They're,
1: they're all they in, they're all in production really.
2: Yep. <laughs> yeah. And also The avatar that is not necessarily like my avatar is not, I want to be clear on what it's not. It's not to take you to build, like say what Springs built, right? It's not to take you to hundred million or 200 million or 300 million in volume. It's to take you out of the business at seven figures. And then when you're out of the business at seven figures, you go create other leverage residual streams. So what I've been able to do is create multiple seven figure business streams of income because I believe in freedom. I'm, I don't need to be the richest person in the world. For me, I just want freedom to live my life. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah absolutely. Okay. So that's three. And what's your fourth? Uh... Well, the
2: fourth one is I partner with people. So real brokerage is a new, newer one over the last 18 months. And I probably won't quite hit seven figures this year in it, but definitely next year, million and a half to 2 million in revenue in 2023, which is awesome because it's a highly leveraged business in my partnership with real brokerage just because it feeds off of what I already do and it just creates another way to monetize people so here's my belief I go at so much fucking value to people's lives when they come to me and monetize them and I find ways that I can monetize that relationship in multiple different ways yeah
1: Okay. Okay. Good. Let's dive a little bit deeper before, before we go into more into your businesses, Colton, and some of your, what I call your differentiators that really set you apart. Let's talk about the economic outlook. Like what's happening today with the market. And, you know, we all, I think most people today, it wasn't that long ago that we experienced something in 2008 (laughs) Right. So we all remember that. Um, yeah. How do you compare what's happening now to what happened then? There are obviously some major differences, but I would love to hear your thoughts.
2: Are we talking real estate exclusively or are we talking economically?
1: Yeah, no, not, not just real estate. We can dive so into real estate I, afterwards, but I just want right, to talk so about if the economy.
2: I, if, like, so there's seasons of history. And when we look at the end of 1945, when World War II ended, we started the spring season. That was when we flourished. Then we went the next 20 years after that. That was our summer season. That was from about 65 to 85, roughly. And then we went one more season, which was our fall season, which was right around 1985 to 2005 to 2008, right? That's when it kind of just like shit the bed. 2008 is when we started the winter season. And so what happens in a winter season is the entire system falls apart and then a new spring season comes and it's rebuilt all over again. So I view we are in the mid to late stages of a winter season. And I think we haven't even seen the beginning yet. I think we are seeing the mild start of flurries of what is gonna be a super winter. And if you look at the last winter season, When it started around 1925, the final years of that led to the 1929 stock crash, led to the 31, 32, and 36 recession, and which was ultimately a depression, led to World War II, where everyone had to be a part of the cause. We're starting the stages, which I believe are where everyone has to be a part of the cause. The challenge that we're going to face is we also have what we didn't have back then is we have civil... like. No one's on the same page civilly here in the U.S. In fact, if you look at polls today, 50% of Americans that have been polled think that a civil war is highly likely. So I when you think about that, I don't know what conversations you have with your peers and your friends, but like, so a lot of my peers are platinum partners with Tony. I had one of them call me today. He just got back from Fiji and he went to life and wealth mastery there. And the first thing he says to me is like, dude, this fucking winter is going to get way worse than I thought. And you're having conversations where like people are buying, they're moving out of cities. They're becoming more self-sufficient. So yeah, I think shit's going to get really really bad economically. I think you're going to see a massive inflation still. 9.1, like we saw in June. I don't think we've hit the, the peak yet. I think official CPI will get as high as 15 or 16%. And realistically, that'll put us probably 25, 30% inflation. I think you're going to see more unrest civilly in the U.S. I S I don't know to what extent I think 2024 is going to be the most ridiculous election we've ever had. And it's very possible like Ray Dalio talks about this Harry Dent talks about that a lot of, uh, what's his name? The road, the fourth turning think that neither side will concede democratic or Republican will concede the election in 2024. So I think that's going to be interesting to watch. I think that you're going to see a lot of people get their asses handed to them. But I think the one thing that we have to watch between now and then is jobs. So as long as jobs are there, I think the real estate market will continue. I don't think we're going to see this big crash. If we start seeing people lose jobs, that's when we'll have a real estate crash, not just kind of what we've seen. Um, So that'll be interesting to see that. But what will be the difficult part is jobs, their pay won't increase as fast as inflation. So business owners really have the upper hand because business owners can control their profit margins. And right now I believe a business owner that can shoot for a 25, 30% profit margin is ahead of the game going through this. So, I mean, yeah, I can go on and on with this, but that kind of, I think we're a good eight to 10 years till we, till we move through. And I don't think, we, I, I don't think we've seen nothing yet as far as how bad it's going to be economically and I know that's not a positive outlook.
1: Okay. So you mentioned a little bit about how you see that affecting real estate. Let's dive into real estate a little bit deeper. So right now we've just seen uh, interest rates go up. We've seen, it certainly was at the point where a seller could ask anything they want. Mm -hmm. And now I'm seeing price reductions. So- it's starting to make a little shift. I think it's starting to become more of a normalized real estate market. But where, yep. where do you really see that going
2: um, based on what you just said? As long as jobs stay, I think it'll stay normalized and I think it'll be a, a slow grower. That doesn't mean though we won't see a recession in the real estate space. The recession is going to be real estate agents because the majority of real estate professionals today did not witness 2007, 2008 2000, to 2012, right? right? They, didn't, they didn't witness nine months listing time, if it even actually sold with 50% of the homes, not selling like someone was talking about how we have 8,000 homes for sale in Utah the other day. Like that's a lot. And I'm like, dude, I remember when there was that alone in Salt Lake County, let alone the entire freaking state. Yeah. So inventory is still five and a half percent interest rate. Like my first rate was 7%. Now I think the biggest differences are one is inflation is so much different. They've printed what $20 trillion. It feels like since 2008. I think that's going to play into it, but I think the biggest thing, because so many agents have not experienced a shift quite like this, there's panic going to set in. And so the recession is going to be fear will dictate the actions that real estate agents don't take, and they're going to suffer psychologically and emotionally. Those that look at this uncertainty and say, winner is my bitch, they're going to triple, quadruple their income. They're going to take so much market space. And those that have mastered their sales and, and the ability to persuade and influence they're going to make so much money through this. It's, it's going to be amazing because they're in a state of certainty. And when markets go uncertain, that's what people are attracted to. So if you're chaotic and if you're stressed or, and if you're worried and if you're overwhelmed or anxious or irritated or full of doubt, people are going to feel that. And they're not going to work with you. They're going to work with the person's yeah. most certain. Yeah. Interesting. I I agree with everything you said. But if people lose jobs, if people lose jobs, that's when the real estate's going to have problems.
1: So real estate, I'm already seeing a shift where, in my opinion, a solo agent has a very difficult time coming into the business today and actually thriving. Like if they don't join a team, if they're a new agent today and they don't join a team, their chance of having success is extremely low. Do you agree with that?
0: If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a 5-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit.
2: Yes and no. I think it's always been difficult for a solo agent, right? Because what does a solo agent have to do? They have to four simple steps that makes anyone in real estate money. Contacts, meaningful conversations, presentations, or appointments set and presentations given. Now, if you're a solo agent in any market getting in and you don't know that formula and you don't follow it, you're going to suffer. But the cool thing about if you get in the right team, you can compress time, right? Because now you don't have to figure out the formula. You don't have to figure out through so much trial and error on what to say and how to say it and to save time. So I I think it's a yes and no, because there could be those freaks out there. Like I happen to be one of those freaks that, shoot, all right, give me, let me, let me just go talk to people and set appointments, get presentations, get contracts contract signed. But most people aren't freaks. Most people don't do that. So if you can get in part of an organization where there's some freaks and like you see the dashboard behind you, I know what that tracks. It tracks these key metrics. And if you track those metrics for yourself, whether you're on a team or not, you'll be successful. It will be easier to be in proximity with a company and a culture that, that breeds that though. The question becomes is how do those contacts and meaningful conversations happen today? They can't happen the same way they used to. I could have 30 meaningful conversations in 30 minutes. How? I follow up with my leads and voice note drops, video drops, and I lead them to a 15-minute Zoom meeting. And from there, I figure out, okay, is this a qualified lead that's going to get more of my attention or not? So you, you have to change how you're doing it as well, but the metrics are the same, and the culture will just help you get there faster.
1: Okay. Great advice, Colton. So you are a platinum partner. Yeah. How long have you been in there now with Tony?
2: It's my second year with it, which I love.
1: And I know it's probably a really good time to do that because he does dive into this winter season. He does dive into what's coming. He does dive into, you know, he's with the best experts in the world, right? So. So he sees things in a different way than we see them probably as a Tony's
2: shifted too a lot. So Tony's 63 now or something like that. So he's in the winter season of life, meaning he's, he doesn't want to hustle and grind like he did the first 60 years. So who he gives time with is like, he doesn't give, like, if you notice since COVID specifically, he, he said, he's not going back to this. He does one live UPW a year. And if you go to date with destiny You either attend virtually or you're a plat partner in person. Like you don't get to attend in-person events with Tony anymore, except for one UPW year. If you're in the public, other than that, you gotta be a plat partner to do it. The way he also, especially since what you saw between the me too movement. And then he was really hounded by Buzzfeed. I think in 2018 or 2019, I can't remember what year it was. He shifted how he speaks to audiences. So he doesn't like, he's really tamed down today to public events compared to what he talks about with us in the private platinum partner events so yeah i would i would join Platts if i were you it'd be a great time november october we're going to i don't even know how to say it punta mita in mexico five days with him and sage talking about our spiritual realm and our happiness realm and how you create that in today's bleak world and then in february we'll go Five days of plat financial, which I will not freaking miss that event next February because I want to be with Paul Tudor Jones and Ray Dalio and Harry Dent, and I want to be with the best of the best that are understanding the landscape of today's economy.
1: Yeah, one thing that you are not afraid to do, one thing Spring has always done, you guys are willing to invest in yourselves, Mm. and I think that's a piece of life that a lot of people skip and miss Mm -hmm. out on a lot of opportunities because of that. Let's talk about that for a minute.
2: Yeah, well, it's funny because I remember hitting that level of financial freedom by 32. It's about the time Mike Hall had passed away with Cows Creek Homes. And I realized that financial freedom didn't really create the fulfillment. I thought it would. And the fulfillment comes from within. And what I realized as I became financially free, more people wanted what I have. Like they see me ski four or five days a week. Like, dude, how do you have time to ski four or five days a week? And what I realized was it was through investing. But what people think investing is, is buying the right real estate property or the right stock or the right this. And investing is not that. Investing is where you give the, the attention. Like, and when you realize that the number one asset is you, yourself, and that you're the value that you bring to the marketplace, you're not going to ask me which real estate to purchase or stock to purchase or should I buy. I mean, I've had a million people ask me, Is now a good time to buy Bitcoin? I'm buying it. I don't know what you're doing. Like, it's up to you, like right? But really the right investment for you is, are you getting into proximity with the people that are living life the way you want to live? Like, I want multiple seven-figure businesses. I need to invest in myself to get me in those spaces. I want to have 15 different asset classes that pay me over and over again. I want to be able to work from my laptop anywhere on planet Earth. I want to be able to live overlooking Pine Reservoir eight minutes from Snowbase. Like you identify who is living the way you want to live and you spend money to be around them and learn to do exactly what they're doing. And so you only do that by investing in yourself with call it coaching training. I call it maybe I don't really look for coaches anymore. I have coaches but I look for mentors. I look for people that are doing that have done what I, I want to do on a big level.
1: So Colton, I, I remember you talking about this once before and I can't believe that I've never skied with you. So we're absolutely going to have to grab some ski days this next year. So, um, so whenever I hear you speak again, I, I think of Tony Robbins, he does a better job than anybody at holding the energy in a room. And, you know, you've picked up a lot of his tips and tricks. And in my opinion, you emulate him extremely well. So like, how did you make that shift and, and focus and learn? And like, you, you really have done a great job with that. Most people have heard Tony, you know, dozens of times as I have, but I certainly haven't shifted to where I can now speak like Tony. So tell me about that.
2: Well, one, I got intentional about it. So at first I was kind of nervous because people are like, oh, you're, you're ripping off Tony or whatever. And then as I sat back, I was like, wait a second, fucking Tony owns this space. Why would I not, why would I do something opposite of what is working in the biggest level?
1: And didn't he do the same thing? I mean, right? yeah.
2: Yeah. So I mean, that's what he wants from you. When you pay him, I pay him a hundred thousand dollars a year to go be in space with him. He wants you to take these behaviors and patterns and go utilize them. So one is just getting more present with Tony. And when I go to, I've gone to probably 30 of Tony's events now. And when I go to them, I'm, I'm observing the energy of the room. And so I'm literally taking notes the entire time. The other thing I did is I went to an event, two events, one called train the trainer and the other was called ultimate speaker academy. And these were events that the first one train the trainer was that were recommended. It's like, Hey, if you want to learn how to own the stage, like the way I do go learn from T. Harbacker. Cause, cause Tony doesn't really teach it. He doesn't have besides observing, he doesn't teach it, but train the trainer, which doesn't even exist anywhere in the U S anymore, as far as I know, it teaches what he does. So you can st- start to understand The science and everyone, we're moving into a really cool space, Brian, in real estate particularly, but even just in the world where it's, everyone thinks we're in the information age. And I think we're actually leaving the information age. We're, we're moving to the influence age and influence isn't about information. So in real estate, particularly as you see different models, like real brokerage or EXP, and you see these revenue shares, you think about the ability to expand a team in multiple states now that people are doing is the only way you can streamline that 10 years ago is you had to fly there. Today, you can do it on Zoom, and you can lead an entire organization virtually. And as you do that, though, you have to stop thinking one-to-one. So you look at in the 1800s up to maybe the early 1900s, the world worked in a zero-to-one scenario, meaning no one had a clue on how to go from nothing to communicate with someone in Australia instantly. Like it had to be invented out of thin air. Then we went to a stage from that to many years till probably the millennials came along, which was one-to-one. Tony kind of advanced it with one-to-many, right? But now we definitely live in a world where you've got to influence and persuade not one-to-one. One-to-one is slow. One-to-one is snail you've got to influence one-to-many. Like right now, this podcast, I don't know how many people will hear it, but that's a one-to-many. Being on stage in front of 300, 500 people, that's a one-to-many. Being on a Zoom meeting with 500 people, that's a one-to-many. So the skill that has to be mastered is the one-to-many. And it's not about content. Everything is so lost in this idea that it's saying like some new inspirational piece of information that no one knows about. No, everyone has every bits of information repeated a gazillion times. It's all based on how you context it, on how you have the syntax of keyword engagement. Yeah.
1: I love talking to you. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> we couple, can keep ripping. More, I know uh, you're coming to the end, We we'll keep ripping. It's fun.
1: Couple more, couple more questions for you, and we'll wrap up because uh we're we're at about the time that most people like to listen to these, but breathwork is a big passion of yours. I, I had an opportunity in kind of a public setting. I think it'd be fun to do it in more of a private setting with you, but to do a breathwork session. And, um, every time I do a breathwork session, I have some like amazing out-of-body experience, which, you know, I love to document and remember and learn things that I, I didn't think I could possibly learn. Right. Just amazing stuff. But how did you, how did you get that passion
2: um, from being okay to sit with my pain I was at a spot in life where I was no longer willing to choose to suffer and in order to no longer suffer I had to find how to sit with my pain and be okay with it because there's this illusion that we can have a world without pain and it's just never going to happen so that means I better learn how to just accept pain as opposed to resist it so suffering is resisting pain that's what suffering is And I first started, which has become very, I don't recommend it over the top, is very normalized hallucinogen drugs, LSD, peyote, ayahuasca, psilocybin, you name it. I've been a part of that circle. And the challenge that I found with that is the speed of which it takes you to the pain is unbearable. And we hear a lot of these positive results from say ayahuasca, but no one's talking about the negative. No one's talking about the guy that commits suicide two weeks after. No one's talking about the, the, the people that are now going and administrating themselves, saying it's spiritual, but really they just want to get high and have a group orgy or some crazy thing, right? Like, and so as I was on this journey, I had hosted an event in New Orleans, and this guy named Jack Fontana, I'd found, I'd, I'd heard of Wim Hof originally, like breath work. Like that's what triggered me, like, oh, let's check this out. So I just kind of started searching modalities. I met a guy in New Orleans, Jack Fontana, and I was talking to him. He came and led a group of six of us through it. And I said, Yeah, I've never done this. I've, I've, I've done peyote. And he just laughed at me and he said, Peyote is a young man's sport. Let me ta- teach you the wise man's wisdoms. And, and so then he took me through his breath work. I was like, this is it. Like, this is what I've been after. And so I just kept practicing. I kept getting into spaces where I could do breath and I just started practicing into breath. And what I found out is I no longer used any drugs or alcohol. I might have whiskey here and then, but I cut that out. But what I really, really noticed is if any negative emotion came up, I could breathe through it within 60 seconds or less. Like these times where mass amount of stress or anxiety or fear, overwhelm overwhelmment were heavy on me. It didn't exist anymore. Like it was weird. It just disappeared. But then the next thing started happening in these breathworks that I no longer had to heal. Like the first several, depending on where you're at, can be very emotional and painful and bring many people to tears and laughter and screaming. But it got to the point where I no longer was experiencing that. I was only experiencing this ability to create. So now all of a sudden these thoughts from, I don't know where they come from, the ether from God, the universe would come to me and be like, Colton, go do this. And I would learn to trust that hunch and go act on it. So how I use breath work is if you look at Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. He teaches a secret. And most people think that it's just to think. But think, and most people don't think today. By the way, they don't spend time thinking. They're already like to the next thing or to this or what I got. And they just don't sit and think. But the second part that he teaches that is so subtle, and I think almost everyone misses, is follow your hunch, trust your hunch. Breath work allowed me to trust my hunch faster. So as I did that, I realized, wait a second, I want people to have these experiences. I just started playing with how I could bring it to people. So now I bring it to my big events. I do a 20 minute version, which is like introductory. I think you did something like that. My mastermind members, I take them to a two hour version and there's a lot of modalities out there, but I've found that I have an interesting gift on how to lead it. And everyone leads it. Like, like if you take Louis, Louie leads it awesome, his own way. Awesome. But it's different than my awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what I found is I just tend to reach certain people with the way I run people through breath work, but breath is beautiful. Breath is the only thing that you get from the time you're born that's guaranteed till the time you die, and it's the it's the first thing there, and it's the last thing there. It's the only thing that is with you through everything. And as hard as that, like you look at you're you're in a relationship with spring. Reality is that relationship's going to end one day, and it might like you might die first, she might die first, who knows? Whatever happens, right? But the one thing that never leaves you when when you're born to die to death is breath. It's the one thing that's most consistent. So I just found how to become making friend, my absolute best friend to be consistent Mm -hmm. with me. What it does, it creates certainty within and it creates like, when I'm in that space of clear and certainty within, I have ideas that I know to act on that just can make Mm -hmm. results happen. It's not because I'm special. It's because I learned to trust my intuition. And and I don't call it intuition. I learned to trust my hunch. Anyways, I could go off on this for hours. I'm so yeah. passionate about it. Yeah,
1: no, it's it's awesome. I love that what you've done is you've taken it and you've said, "Hey, this has changed my life. I'm going to share this with the world." So, thank you for doing that.
2: I want to share this because I'm run out of time. Like, there's two practices that I have: breath and meditation. And I've tracked because I'm very tracking. It's like you and CSU, right? Tracking data of your organization. And my my, just on my this- wedding ring,
1: my wedding ring is now a tracker.
2: Oh, is it, is that an aura ring or what is it? Yeah. 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 I tracked my recovery with root, but if I was looking at, and this, this is, since I started using this app with Chopra, I've got logged with him alone in this app over the last year, 414 meditation sessions, 121 hours of meditation breath. Now I probably have logged close to a thousand hours. And why I say that's important is one or two or three is cool. You get six years of this practice of going within, and you have results you couldn't even imagine. And I'm not just talking financially, I'm talking in your happiness, in your joy, in your bliss. And the pain no longer is suffering. The pain is actually the beauty.
1: Yeah, I love it. All right, Colton, last thing. Uh, I want to be the first one to talk about this. You're writing a book called I Love My Life.
2: Tell us about that real yeah. quick, and then, and then we'll wrap you this the up. You're the first one. You're the first one. <laughs> So I knew I've always wanted to write a book and I'm writing a book for me, for no one else. If someone reads it, awesome. I guarantee we'll use it as a tool in our company as like a business card, hundred percent. But what I'm writing the book on is literally the path that I've gone through, not the story, but the path and the patterns is a better way to say it. The patterns that I've learned to create business freedom, financial freedom, and soul freedom. And the book's going to touch on topics of these major themes, including the most challenging of a pattern to learn is the intimate, ultimate relationship. You know, the the relationship with that person that you're in the business of life with. Um, I think everyone has a burning desire to be loved and to feel loved and to have that just passionate, polarized, exciting, fun, but yet growth and contribution level relationship. So yeah, the book's going to consist of all of these patterns from business to finances to relationships to happiness. And I'm going to break down these patterns and share people where they can start with these practices that if done over time, they will become masters in this space of their life. That's that's Well,
1: I'm expecting that now to come out in 2023, Colton. I will be the one to hold you accountable to that. Yes. Uh, So anyway, thank you for writing that. I'm excited to, to read that when it comes out. And, uh, everybody, this is Colton Lindsay, the
2: WGR. What's the best way to reach you, Colton? Instagram, uh, at the WGR hit, hit me up there. Follow me, send me a DM. I'm a, I'm a millennial. So Instagram's where it's at.
1: Perfect. All right, everybody hit him up and we'll catch you on next week's episode of the Grit podcast.
0: Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven day trial of SISU, go to SISU.co. S-I-S-U Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your set of fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, The Real Estate Growth Mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.